Show of hands, how many played follow the leader when you were a kid in school? How many were the followers? How many were the leaders? <laughs> a little of both. Yeah. Depends on how, how, how in charge you felt that day. Webster's describes following as this. To go, to proceed, or to come after. To engage in as a calling or way of life. We're going to, for the remainder of this month, look at what it looks like to follow. Today we're going to follow the instructions. Uh, see what the instructions say. and That harkens my memory back to back in the day. And the girls were small and we went and bought a, one of these steel A-frame swing sets. Anybody ever try to put one of those together? Don't waste your time. In fact, that was the greatest lesson I ever learned about following the instructions. The instructions of that swing set were written somewhere in Bangladesh, I'm convinced, but were just so incoherent. And I thought, I don't need the instructions. I set the instructions out. I, I mean, I've got a wrench and some, you know, I can put this together. I don't need stinking instructions. Today, I read every instruction I can give before I do something. It's because I remember that swing set. Because I started on that job. I mean, how hard can it be to put a couple of A-frames together and a slide and a couple of swings? Really? I thought, I'll be through with this by lunchtime. I started about 9 o'clock one Saturday morning. thought, I'll be through with this by lunchtime. I was out in the backyard. Six or seven that night, I'm still, I've got it halfway done. And I've got it halfway done because I've had to take it apart three or four times. And end up going back to the instructions to figure out in the first place what I should have done because I put the wrong bolts in the wrong holes. And some of the holes didn't match up. I mean, I'm convinced at these assembly lines in some of these places, there's guys drilling holes. <laughs> Going to go this one a quarter inch off. <laughs> just, to, just, to, just to gnaw at people like me who think, why don't this fit? This should fit. This should go together. And I learned a valuable lesson. Get your nose in the instructions if you want to see how something goes together because even though who wrote them maybe in a different country and struggle with English occasionally, that's, that's the design to this, how this all goes together. And I, I come back to this over and over and over again, not only in, in trying to put something together, put a storm door up at Pat uh, Jean's house the other day, and I've done several of those uh, in the last several years, but I'll still pull out the instructions because I want to figure out, have they done something new? Have they given me, thrown me a curve here? I want to see before I start if there's anything different. Well, many of us go through life expecting to navigate it successfully without the instructions. He's given us clear instructions on how to, how not to, what to do, what not to do, and what to avoid, what to step into, what to believe in. And they're here for us. Yet many of us think, I can do this. And then when life starts to go south, we go back to the instructions. I can do this. Life's going south, back to the instructions. No, I got this. Life's going south, back to the instructions. When we would form a regular habit of getting our nose in this book and getting our nose in the instructions of God, we would see more clearly what he has designed for us. Let's look at four things today from three different passages. Turn to Exodus, first of all, chapter 23. Exodus 23, we're going to look at verse 2 together, which says this. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong, he says here. The instructions say the crowd is usually wrong. The crowd is usually wrong. Not always, but usually wrong. Most of us can recall times that we followed the crowd and lived to regret it. All of us have done that. Perhaps in innocence or sometimes in adolescence, but we were, we were influenced in a direction by the majority, or what we thought to be the majority, 
and wouldn't have, we ordinarily wouldn't have chosen that direction for ourselves, but we did on that day. Maybe we did over and over and over again sometimes in life, and we follow the crowd to our own demise. And this verse is saying that most of the time we can't trust the crowd. In fact, the majority of time we can't trust the crowd, the majority. He also says here that the just, in the latter part of the verse too, the just, the right, the truthful, usually find themselves standing alone. You ever been there? Folks want to go a different way and, no, don't think so, not today. Folks want to try this and, no, don't think I want to try this today. Folks want to see this, go, no. And oftentimes, we follow the crowd because standing alone is a lot harder, isn't it? Standing alone is, is a lot more, has, has a lot more fortitude to do with it than most of us live with on a day-to-day basis. And we'd rather go with the crowd, even if it's something we disagree with, and we, or we know is wrong sometimes, than, rather than stand alone. And we find ourselves alone oftentimes. Why do we do that? It's because the volume, both in terms of the number of people and, and, and their physical volume, their audible volume, the volume sometimes is louder than our values. We allow the volume of the crowd and their influence and their, their strategy sometimes even to be louder than the volume of our, of our values. And that's going to lead us down a path that is, usually finds ourselves on the wrong side of the tracks. Let me ask you a question <clears throat> to put, put this in terms Hopefully that will make some sense. Which has more influence and makes more sense to you? Picking up a sign and protesting in front of an abortion clinic publicly or privately going inside a voting booth and casting a vote for someone, maybe several someones, who will appoint Supreme Court justices who will overturn the law that says a million babies are killed in America every year. A million every year. Over 50 million, in fact, closer to 60 million now since Roe v. Wade was put into practice. Which has more influence? Well, one is more visible than the other. But you think, Tim, that ship's already sailed. You're naive to think that we're ever going to turn that around. And perhaps I am, but I'm still going to vote pro-life every time. Uh, Even if I have to (coughs) compromise on some other things, (coughs) excuse me, to vote that way. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to vote believing somebody's usually going to have some, surely somebody's going to have some sense one of these days and overturn that law because it's, it is something that is certainly requires some conviction to do, but it's far easier to say, you know, that's never going to turn around. That ship's never going to turn around and it's never, that ship's already sailed and maybe it has, but if I'm standing alone, I'll stand alone to vote for pro-life every time, whether it's on a state level or a federal level, I'll vote that way with my conscience. Because the instructions say the crowd is usually wrong most of the time. Secondly, the instructions say to choose the scripture over the culture. Turn to Leviticus, if you will, chapter 18. Leviticus 18, 1 to 4 says this. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live, and you must, must not do as they do in the land of Canaan where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. Follow, don't follow their practices, but follow <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> my decrees. In a culture that is increasingly avoiding the negative, it is hard for us sometimes to see God wants us to, 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 to take us away from, the, from, the, from what's wrong by having us to see that it's wrongness, the fact that it's, it's uh, heading us in a bad direction. The scripture tells us 
not only what to do, it tells us what not to do. Consider with me this. <clears throat> of the Ten Commandments that are the basic laws of life, in, in God's Word, eight of those ten tell us what not to do. Not what to do. You ever think about that? You know why? Because we're bent in a direction from birth. In a direction from birth, we're bent toward the wrong thing. We're bent toward me. Please me. Satisfy me. Meet my needs. Scratch my itch. So we have to unlearn me to learn him. We have to unlearn me to learn them. How do we do that? He says, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. Because we've been, in, as I said, in a direction toward the wrong thing. We don't, we don't learn that. We're just born, the scripture says, into sin. So there are trends in education now and trends in parenting for positive reinforcement. And I believe in positive reinforcement. I also believe in some negative reinforcement too from time to time that if I'm out of line, my dad, <clears throat> I don't remember him ever whipping me with a belt but about two or three times. You know why? Because I didn't want four and I didn't want five. They want six. He was had about a fifty-two inch waist, and when I was growing up, belts were stylishly thin. And this stylishly thin belt was about half an inch to three-quarter inch. Just, it was just a bigger belt would have felt a whole lot better. This thin belt felt more like a switch than a belt, and I hated switches. That's why there's no persithia bushes in my yard at my house because uh, persithia bushes and me just had a bad relationship. But my dad, <clears throat> my dad would—I hear that belt coming out of the loop. No trouble was about to come, and so as I said, I don't remember that, but two or three times. But he reinforced the negative in me to say, "We're not doing this anymore." You get this? Got it. Not doing this anymore. And there's there, there are trends, as I say, in education and, and even in parenting. To that the best way for a child to learn discipline is positive reinforcement, and, and though positive dis- dis- reinforcement needs to needs to be done. If a child, and if you and I as adults don't learn there's consequences to wrong behavior, how are we ever going to head in the other direction? There's consequences to sin. There's consequences to wrong. There's consequences to evil. There are consequences to, <clears throat> to making decisions that head us in a direction away from God. And he wants us to learn those consequences. That's why in the, in the, in the commandments he said, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Why? Because there's consequences if you do. Separation from me being one of them. The word says there are reasons for the do's and don'ts in life, and it's here for us to glean the wisdom of what to do, sometimes more importantly, what not to do. If we choose the scripture over the culture, we'll head in the right direction. Thirdly, the instructions not only say the crowd's usually wrong and tell us to choose the scripture over the culture, but thirdly, the instructions tell us, and this is superfluous, but tell us to be instructed. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 1. It tells us to be instructed. Moses, verse 1, Deuteronomy 5, summoned all Israel and said, Hear, O Israel, <clears throat> the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. Hear the decrees, he says, learn them. Now, this is obviously before the written word was in place. And so the spoken word of God is what man heard and had, had, was hold, held accountable to responding to. And so here's Moses to say, hear this. Hear this. This is, this is from God. Hear this. And heed it. Learn it. And walk in it. Uh, here, here are the decrees. Look and listen, he says, to give your attention to what matters. So many things in our culture vying for our attention. That's a total waste of time. Uh, I read recently in a, in a survey that Pew Research had done that the average 16-year-old spends, get this, 18 hours a day on the phone. 
either texting, emailing, talking, something, 18 hours a day. Think when do they sleep? Obviously, some have it in the bed and it's under the covers. And, uh, on average, now there's some, some more, some less. And I thought, what, what is there of any value? What is there of that much value to spend that much time in a direction that pushes us sometimes, unintentionally, to push us away from relationship with Him to have relationship with her, a relationship with Him, a relationship with them? If we hear His instructions, we'll 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 pay attention to the things that matter. The Bible says, and I. And I Every time I say that phrase, I think of Billy Graham. And our, our world lost a great uh, mentor, really, a model of what to follow. And, and the scripture lost a great champion when he died last week. Because time after time, decade after decade, regardless of the situation, regardless of the topic or the question, Billy, what do you think about abortion? Billy, what do you think about same-sex marriage? Billy, what do you think about? What do you think about? What do you think about? And over and over and over again, his response was, what the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible says. And we need to not only hear its instruction, but heed it. it what it says matters, and if we'll, if we'll get our nose in it, it'll matter to us and change our behavior. We're going to, to, be, able, to be able to discern what is of value and what isn't, what, what matters and what doesn't. We're going to have to get our nose in this book on a consistent basis and hear and heed its wisdom. Uh, it's, it, it, is, it is here for us. God's laid it out for us, and we, we often turn away from it. Pursue the culture, pursue the crowd, instead of what we need and should value the most. Joshua one eight says this: Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Prosperity and success is not tied to what we own or what we have, but it's tied to what we know. He said, "If you'll spin your nose, stick your nose in this book, heed it." Walk with it, live it, apply it, put it into practice. You're going to be prosperous and successful, he says in Joshua 1.8. So there's this idea that stepping away from the wisdom of this book says to the Lord indirectly, I know more than you know. I can trust my judgment more than yours. And he says, no, you can't. Try that. Let me know how that works out for you after a while. We're going to need to know what this book says, though, to glean from it. And Joshua 1.8 as well says uh, to meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it, meaning you can't pick and choose what you want to believe, what you don't. That's where most of us live our life. You know, I believe this. I'll hang on to this verse. Hang my head over here, but this, this over here. Uh, so we make conscious, willing choices to say, yeah, I believe the Bible, what it says right here. What it says over here, I'm still debating with. It's just still, the jury's still out for me. And we can't pick and choose the parts of it that are convenient to our lifestyle, convenient to our mindset, convenient to our our our, our philosophies. We have to choose to believe it all and live it all, he says here. So the instructions say to be instructed. Finally, the instructions say to follow the instructions. What he says in the latter part of verse uh, Deuteronomy 5, 1 is just as important. The first part, he says, learn them and be sure to follow them. Be sure to follow them. Learning is often the easy part. It's the following that gets harder, right? Why is that the case? Well, because the crowd and the culture is going in the opposite, opposite direction from us most of the time. Here's what I want to challenge us with today, though. If we'll, make a, if we'll have enough spiritual stamina, enough backbone to walk in the opposite direction of our culture when it's wrong, to walk in the opposite direction of our culture, we'll have a greater witness and far greater testimony, to, a far greater story to tell than walking with the crowd. Why? Because many, in fact, most in the crowd have never considered there's anything else. That's all they've seen. That's all they've known. 
our culture is going in this direction, and everybody looks in this direction and says, okay, it must be the positive direction to go. Let me go. And as we start walking in the other direction, it may for the first time cause some of them to say, you mean there's another way? There's something else? Where's he going? Where's she going? And perhaps for the first time, those around you in your world, that you have, in your sphere of influence at least, will start to say, what's up with him? What's up with her? Why is, why, is, why is she making the choice not to? Why is he making the choice to? What's up? What's going on? Is there another way? And the answer is yes, there's another way than the way our culture is walking. But unless people can see it, they'll never learn to walk in it. Unless, unless there's, a, there's a, a concept of you or I, at some point, whether it's abortion or, some point, or whatever strikes your fancy, of saying, no, not anymore. At least not in my home and not in my life. And not in my heart, and not in my mind, and not out of my voice. There's times when you and I need to take a stand against our culture, and it's hard, but there's a, there's a far greater witness in, in them seeing another way than what they've seen before. How do we know where, where he's been and where he's going? Well, this book tells us that. If we're going to follow him and follow his ways, follow his decrees, as he says here, we we'll have to know where he's going. This book tells us where he's been, where he's come from, what he's done, where he's going and where we're going as well. He's got the entire story laid out for us. We'll get our nose back in it. He left us a map, and this is our map. Sometimes your map and my map looks like recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And we need to zero in our spiritual GPS on what does the map say? Whatever the map says, the less recalculating I'm going to have to do because he's going to bless his, his, his design, his ways, his degrees, his ideas over mine. Some kind, sometimes I'm, I, I may be a lucky squirrel and get, find an acorn of his every now and then, but if I'm choosing to go my way rather than his, I'm going to experience more failure than success. Prosperity and success comes when I meditate on it day and night, Joshua 1. Here's what I want you to hear, though, in relation to this, and that's probably the most important thing I've got to say today is if you've gotten off the path, there's always a way back. If you've gotten away from him, you can't get away too far that he doesn't know where you are and will give you a way back, ever. I don't care how far you've gone. There's always a way back. You see, Tim, you don't know how far off the path I've gotten. I don't care how far off the path you've gotten. There's always a way back, he says. Because his, his redemption is far and wide. We just sung about it a minute ago. So if that's true, and it is, if these instructions, this book, are the, are the only way to make sense of life, and you can't make sense of life, with the instruction of this book without knowing its author. He said in John 10, 10, or 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father unless they come by way of me. I'm the way. So if you're here today and you've never personally received him, you may, may not believe he existed, may know that there's a God, that Jesus is a real person, but you never invited him into your heart personally and permanently. I encourage you to do that today before you leave. Please see me before you leave, and I'd love to share with you. Or if you have a Christian friend that you know knows Jesus, Reach out to them today before you leave. A couple of observations and we're done. Trying to follow the culture and the scripture at the same time is an exercise in frustration and futility. Trying to follow the culture and the scripture at the same time is an exercise in frustration and futility. Why? Because we can't stand in two worlds and begin to walk anywhere. The culture is going this way and the scripture is going this way. It's going to eventually pull us apart. It's an exercise in frustration and futility. It's, it's kind of like if you've ever seen American Pickers, one of my favorite shows, Price and Junk. The person whose place that they've gone to, the 
warehouse or their property or their house or whatever, has a choice to make. They can either choose to keep the memory or have the money. Can't have the money and the memory together. Whatever that item is, that jukebox, that whatever it is. I can have the memory of collecting that and, and, and the joy of looking at it, or I can have the money, but I can't have the memory and the money at the same time. I've got to make a choice. And walking in the Scripture and walking in the culture is a lot like that. I can't do both of them at the same time. I've got to make a choice. What are the choices for you? Where, does it, where, where do you drive the stakes in the ground? What, what, what really matters to you? What is the value enough to say, I'm standing here even if I'm standing alone? I'm standing by myself and nobody's around. I'm standing here at this place because I know it's of God and I know it's right. We make dozens of choices every day. Mayfield or Food Club Milk. When we get my gas at Pilot or at Exxon. And pizza today for lunch or salad. We make dozens of choices every day. And it's a choice you and, I, you and I make to follow the scripture or follow the culture. What's it going to be for you? Culture or scripture is the one that shapes every other choice we make. Every other choice we make is shaped by whether we believe the culture or we believe the scripture. Now, is that growing harder and harder? Yes, it is, because our world seemingly is growing grayer and grayer. Yet, you and I understand there's some blacks and whites. There's some rights and wrongs. There's some do's and don'ts. I don't like all of that because it steps on where I live and how I think too. But there is it's still truth whether I believe it, whether I like it or not. And I, I'm chosen to, or I'm choosing to walk in it. We make that choice every day. What are you going to choose? The culture or the scripture? The instructions matter. The instructions can change our destination and our destiny. They can change how we get there and where we're going. But we've got to put them into place. We've got to believe them. We've got to mark some time with them. We've got to fill some mileage to say, listen, I believe this, and I walked in it, and I saw it work, and I saw this. I saw God on this. I'm coming back again and again and again. To this instruction book that says, you walk according to this, you're going to be prosperous and successful. God's going to honor your way. He's going to honor your decision over and over again. He will. But we've got to get back in the instruction book and spend time there. What's your choice? 